0: Hello and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. Pastor Worth here. Uh, We, if if you are new with us, welcome. If not, welcome back. We are in a new series called Hindsight 2020, uh, and that probably is about exactly what you think it might be about, looking back and looking ahead. Uh, So last week, Matthew began this whole thing that we began talking about with the genealogy, which I asked you to read. I know you're like, Oh, this is church. Aren't you supposed to do all the reading for me on Sunday? Well, uh, no, I'm not. There is always work required on your part. Always. And so Matthew is doing things on purpose here, uh, is what we talked about last week. And you can go back and l- listen to that message at uh, your convenience. But he is not just writing down a story. He is structuring the whole entire book. And he begins by bringing up all these characters from the Old Testament. In fact, throughout his Gospel, he references the Old Testament directly and indirectly over a hundred times. And the question is, why? Well, uh, to show how Jesus fulfills God's story. And that this part of the story that he's talking is like episode 100 or 1000 or something like that. And so, this genealogy at the beginning of Matthew chapter 1, it begins with some important titles. And it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Three really important titles to remember. Messiah, son of David, and son of Abraham. And if you're paying attention while reading it, you'll see that you move from the time of Abraham way back to the time of David. And then from the time of David to when the Israelites were in exile in Babylon. And then for the very last section, they jump. Matthew jumps from the time they were in captivity in Babylon and now they're back uh, in Jerusalem and right up to the birth of Jesus. Now, if you read these and you don't have any understanding of who these people are, you might be like the Star Wars fan that I noticed that I referenced last week who doesn't understand what's going on in all these movies or choose whatever show you're into. It might be that you're all into Parks and Rec or The Office or Cobra Kai or Downton Abbey or Game of Thrones. You get the idea. And you start talking about it to somebody else and someone else doesn't know what you're talking about they're a little bit clueless about why you're getting excited about some part of the story some part of the narrative in one of those shows but matthew he's got skills and he's dropping some big names and some big hints here and he starts with abraham because he wants to show how the covenant god made way back when when is now being fulfilled in and through jesus and you can look at that back in genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 it's one of the pieces of the puzzle that God's people would be blessed and become a blessing. And it follows that Jesus isn't just the Messiah for the nation of Israel, but he's the savior of the world. And if you look at the rest of this list that Matthew gives us, this list of people, you see a group of messed up sinful individuals that God still worked with and he still worked through to bring about his love and his mercy. And his justice and so what I want to do today is I just want to look at a few more of these people and then you know draw some conclusions extrapolate some some uh, implications for us let's take this one, one of the first ones Jacob for instance this is the guy who stole his brother's birthright who was older than him uh, and he's in the older brother was supposed to get the inheritance and he plays a trick on his dad because his dad is old and can't see and he does this by putting fake hair on his arms basically like he wants to look and feel like his big brother, who looks and feels like a sasquatch. So he puts some animal fur on his arms to make his arms feel furry. I just want you to imagine that scenario for a minute. Later, Jacob becomes the patriarch of the whole nation of Israel, because, and his name is changed from Jacob to Israel. Basically, though, he is hairy arm faker guy. Now, one of his 12 sons is named Judah, who is also mentioned in the genealogy. And Judah participated in selling One of their other brothers, Joseph, who I think many of you might be familiar with, he sold Joseph into slavery. To which I go, look, I had a bunch of fights with my little brother when I was growing up, but I never sold him into slavery, and he never sold me into slavery. So here's Judah. He sells Joseph into slavery in Egypt, which God then miraculously uses to rescue the rest of the family uh, from famine. Another person that's mentioned in this list is Rahab, one of four women mentioned in the genealogy. She is not Jewish. She is a prostitute and a foreigner, but basically she's in the list because she did an amazing thing and hid some Jewish spies. And then later on, fast forward to Boaz and Ruth. Ruth Ruth is also a foreigner. She stays with her Jewish mother-in-law after her husband dies, even though she probably should have gone back to her own people. And then Boaz redeems her and marries her. And, and, and maybe you might have a little more respect for her when you realize that she is the great-great, she's the great-grandmother of King David. And then we have this reference a little bit later in the genealogy to um, Solomon and his mom, Uriah's wife. Remember her name? Uh, her name was Bathsheba. Matthew puts this story right in the middle. He says, Solomon's mom was Uriah's wife. He doesn't even use her name. I think it's because he wants to make sure that the guy named Uriah, who David killed so he could steal his wife, Bathsheba, is in the lineage of Jesus. Hashtag Jesus family tree. And then we come, there's a bunch of other names we could choose, but there's one in here I want to, I want to highlight for you named Manasseh. Who is Manasseh? Well, basically he's one of the worst people you've ever heard about in your life. You just probably haven't remembered it, um, or, or someone hasn't pointed it out to you. He became king when he was 12, 2 Kings 20 tells us, and he was king for 55 years, and he killed all kinds of people. He rejected God completely, and he made everyone else do it too. He even sacrificed his own son uh, while worshiping another god, and when he died, his son was only king for two years before all the rest of the people who were around him assassinated him. So let's sum this up jesus is adopted into this family line joseph has to be told by an angel that it's okay to marry his pregnant teenage girlfriend not by him and he's told to adopt jesus into this psycho family tree that we just read about that's how jesus gets in by adoption through joseph now matthew could have written this a lot of different ways i mean When you're writing a sequel to a superhero story, you have to begin with some big, amazing event or a shocking catastrophe that people need to be rescued, there's a problem that needs to be solved, or an origin story that gets people's attention or some kind of intrigue. Matthew decides to start with this. But when you know who the characters are and you learn what they're up to, you learn their stories as part of the overarching narrative, man, it makes things a lot different. This is one of those kind of stories through hindsight, we can see that God works through our messy, sinful, rebellious lives to bring about his love and his mercy and his justice. And when I think about this, I think there's two themes that I think we should highlight from this lineage. And the first one is this, God is the author of this story. And here's how how one scholar puts it. He says, Matthew wants us to know that three times 14 means there's a story. And that's a reference to there's 14 generations to 14 generations, 14 generations in the text, if you haven't read it. There's a story going on and there's a storyteller. There's a plot and there's someone who's weaving the plot together. Behind the mess and the unpredictability of the human story, there's a God who's weaving another story, one that's gonna end in harmony and redemption. It's really easy to forget that God is the author of the story, is what I want you to remember. Because in your daily life, with all the pressures and the things that you're trying to pay attention to and the business that consumes just a lot of our lives, it's just easy to go about everyday life forgetting that God is the one who is writing our story, I think. And this creates a lot of pressure on us because the 21st century and the 20th century has taught us, and we believe it, it's taught us that we have to be the authors of our own stories it's our job to create for ourselves the future we want it's our job to create for ourselves and to become the people who we want to be the deal is though and I wonder if you've noticed this is that it's, it's just too much for us we weren't meant for this we, we weren't created to do this we were created as characters in a story not the author of the story and so it's our challenge And it's our privilege to try to live into the story that God is writing. We gotta keep that perspective this year. Because if it's up to us, we get into trouble. But if God is still active and present and writing his story, then we have a lot of hope for our stories in the midst of that. The second theme is that God's mercy is in this crazy lineage of Jesus. The story that God is writing, it's just full of mercy. It's just chock full of it. God could have given up on these people at any time, but he's not exclusive, and he includes people from the outside, people who were not part of the chosen people of God, who were not Jewish. He includes broken people. Jesus spent all of his time with people who were considered broken, people who were sinners, eating with them when people judged him for doing so, offering them mercy, offering them forgiveness, giving them a second chance and a third chance and a thousandth chance. There are all of these messy sinners in his family tree. And the point is this, is part of the narrative that God is writing. Jesus lives and dies among sinners, for sinners. This matters right now, this year, living into this next year, it's not about being perfect. It's about recognizing that God can work through you in spite of your imperfections, despite your sin and your brokenness. And God can bring healing and wholeness into your life when you put your trust in Jesus and let God write the story he wants to write. Each of these people in Matthew's list of Jesus's messed up family tree, these broken people, God chooses to use them anyway. So I want you to look back at 2020 with hindsight and look back at your own past beyond that and ask this question. How could God be inviting you to rewrite your understanding of your own past in light of the grace that we have in and through Jesus? When you look back at your own personal life and story, just this last year in 2020, where do you see God at work now might be a good time to stop and consider that question yeah, if you haven't done that kind of work lately when you look back at your own personal life your own story in 2020 where do you see god at work what about in the years prior to that are there are there moments in your life that you can point to and say god god was working there e- even though i didn't know it here's an exercise you might want to do look back over your life from this last year or maybe if you have time your whole life if you want to spend several hours or maybe even days doing this and just try to put your storyline in chapters just take this last year for example what was the first chapter of this last year like for you what would you call that chapter what happened in that chapter how did you transform from chapter 1 to chapter 2 and what was chapter 2 called what happened in that chapter Basically, I want you to just look back at your life and write it into narrative form. What were the major events? What was going on? And then go back through the chapters of your life from this last year and ask, what was God doing? What was God teaching me? How was he guiding me in any of these particular chapters? How was God, How was God authoring my life? Kind of like a spiritual history. What was God teaching me in these chapters? This is the benefit of hindsight. And you can see how God was using different circumstances and scenarios to shape you and teach you when you do that. Or maybe that was there's something that happened, you're like, that was definitely not part of what God wanted for my life, but God redeemed it. If you spend a little bit of time on this, looking back at your life, it can be really, truly helpful. And ask, where have I seen God be faithful to me so that I can trust that God will be faithful to me in this next year? that's the question I think for 2020 2021 what story is going to shape our lives and our perspective this year maybe it's good to think about what other stories are threatening your ability to see your life through the lens of Scripture primarily there's all these other narratives out there what are the narratives that you're bombarded with every day what what's gonna be the dominant narrative that you understand your life through are there political narratives that want to define who you are and what life is all about this year are there maybe there's like self-help or personal happiness narratives that want to define your life or tell you that life is mostly about your contentment and your happiness and you should do whatever it takes and whatever you need to do to pursue that are there maybe there's career narratives or success narratives or financial narratives or There's the whole family expectation narrative, all these things that might wanna define your life in 2021. And the deal is, is if you can name them, if you can at least name them, write them down somewhere, maybe even share them with somebody else, that's gonna help you release some of the power that these narratives hold over your life. And keep the narrative of scripture in front of you as the primary narrative, the primary lens through which you see yourself and the world. That question again is, how could God be inviting you to rewrite your understanding of your own past in light of the grace that we have in Jesus? And I'll leave you with that. Until next time, this is Worth Wheeler for the YCLA Christian Church. Grace and peace to you all.